Hi, and welcome back to Manifest Destiny, a show history podcast where two millennials discuss topics from the American millennium. I love it. It's so good, and it's getting better. I'm Blair. I'm Rebecca. (laughs) And Blair, what are we going to talk about today? we got a couple good topics. Today, we are talking, I am talking about the welfare queen stereotype that was perpetuated in the late 70s and early 80s. Before I begin, I want to ask you, Rebecca, what do you know about the welfare queen? So this is bad, but the only thing that I know about the welfare queen is from the Netflix original show Glow. Glow, Glow of course. That's Literally, also that all I learned about the my introduction queen. to the welfare queen. And I did once you, you know, we'd been brainstorming different ideas and you'd mentioned it. I did do a little look ski. Something like Googling. And I didn't know anything about it. I didn't yeah. know this was, and this was a Reaganism, right? This is a Reaganism. And I actually also confess I really didn't know much about it other than she was a wrestler on Glow. <laughs> and, you know, Glow, for those that haven't watched, is a show about the glorious ladies, the glorious? Gorgeous Gorgeous ladies, ladies of wrestling, and they all had very, like, stereotypical types that they would play. Uh-huh. So you have, like, your Russian communist, you have your little old ladies, you have your sexy American, all-American girl, and you have the welfare queen. Yes, who was a whatever. So we'll get to that. So basically, um, Ronald Reagan, famed actor and, and our president, um, elected 1980, kind of used this anti-government and anti-poor resentment in the 1970s and 80s that was kind of already building, and he used it as like a main platform to get himself a re- And is this like a reaction to the excess of this period of time? Like people are doing, you know, business is booming, people are amassing a lot of personal wealth. Is it like a reaction to feeling like some people aren't doing that, or is it just pure well, so, and simple racism? So that's what's interesting, all this is time. that it's a lot more complicated than that, because the welfare queen image, and it's kind of a term during Reagan's campaigns where he's like, I, you know, I know that you hardworking Americans don't want to pay for any welfare queen and to, you know, she's promiscuous, has as many p- children as possible in order to beef up her benefit take. Um, and he's kind of creating this myth of like a woman yeah, like, that this isn't exists and being like, this is a stereotype of black women in the inner cities. They're just sitting around like doing drugs in fur coats with like your money that you earned that they got from welfare um and basically are receiving government checks so it's capitalist racism it's capitalist but it's capitalist racism so it's a it becomes a very potent stereotype in the late 70s early 80s um what reagan's first campaign was in 1976 even though it was unsuccessful um but he this all actually is rooted from one actual woman which is very interesting and i had no idea so the term is quoted in 1974 um, by a Chicago Tribune article by George Bliss about Linda Terrell, about Linda Taylor. Um, so she basically becomes the titular, <laughs> the titular welfare queen um, because she is, you know, accused, convicted in 1977 of illegally obtaining 23 wel- welfare checks using two aliases, um, sentenced to t- six years in prison. Um, and then she's investigated for the alleged kidnapping and baby trafficking and is suspected Jesus. of multiple murders. Wow. So, let's so she get hit it all. It. Well, she really did. And um, so just to go into Linda Taylor more specifically, she, Linda Taylor was born in 1926 as Martha Louise White in Golduck's 
Tennessee. Gold Dust, Tennessee. I was going to say, the the big takeaway here is there's a Gold Dust, Tennessee. (laughs) Um, To a white woman named Lydia Mooney White. (laughs) Her name's White, and she's white. Just bringing it up. Um, But her father was black, and she'd been conceived in Alabama where that was an illegal crime to have for for there to be an interracial sexual relations or an interracial child. Um, So it was punishable by prison time. So the family lied about her race all the time when she was growing up. Um, and telling the truth could have made her mother guilty of a felony and wow. like resulted in her being in jail. So she was kind of raised white, but always knew she was black. Um, her physical description says she's just about over five feet tall, olive skin and dark, heavy lidded eyes. So olive skin, you know, you do get the idea and you'll see as I talk more about her that she kind of capitalized on this idea that she could pass as white for sure. Which there's a lot of like internalized racism yeah, around that. Yeah, a lot of like sadness and self-hate just going on with her in general. Um, so this writer wrote that she was vaguely elfin in face shape, um, plucked, which is a dog whistle for white, thinly plucked eyebrows, pronounced cupid bow, gold dental work, um, and pristine makeup above fashionable and snug outfit. And um, So she was snatched. She was just looking great. She was looking great in another thing that Articles always included was that she always had like a fur ass coat, which are Just not cheap. Like a power move. But she's buying them with welfare checks, like straight up. Like it is crazy. So far, I just respect all of this hustle. <laughs> oh my God, Rebecca. I mean, well, she was, um, so she grew up, her parents were sharecroppers. So she was, grew up very financially deprived. Yeah. Um, and very sadly, like half of her family shunned her because they knew she was half black. She wasn't allowed in her uncle's house at all Jesus. because of her mixed race. People are garbage. Um, she got kicked out of her all-white school, presumably for being half black. Um, so she had about a second-grade education. And in 1940, when she was around 14, she had her first child. Jesus. Yes, yeah, 14 years old. So she ends up having about four more. Um, and she ends up in Chicago and accrues a lot of um, a lot of bad press and, and arrests for being a, a quote-unquote loose woman. These are basically prostitution charges. No men that she was involved with ever face any charges. Of course not. Classic. Classic. And even though she did make a legit a go at legit employment from time to time um, and tried to use her presumed whiteness, she had, you know, super limited education, you know, maybe not the best work ethic, as we'll see. And um, so she really started perpetrating welfare fraud in full force. Um, she shows up at AIDS office at aid offices describing, you know, hardship she hasn't had. She's like, I have like 16 children. Like, you know, she gets expedited checks. You said she's showing up to eight different offices? What? You said that? No. I don't think I said eight. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, different aid offices. Oh, got it. Sorry. Okay. So she's going to different Classic aid offices, aids to family with dependent yeah, children, yeah, yeah. assistance for needy families. See, this seems like hard work. But she's, but All it, of this line. she's ultimately preying on the sympathies of quote unquote overworked bureaucrats and exploited roles designed to help the vulnerable and the destitute, which she was not. And it's saying most of the time. But she wasn't. Well, she, no, she was destitute, but she was also a straight up con artist. Like no destitute woman with four children starting at 14 should have a fur coat walking around. Like, yeah, see, I, I don't I not mean, see okay. one thing wrong with this at this point. <laughs> so far. Okay. Well, so far. Very much team Linda. Okay. Well, so she used a rotating cast of aliases. She, to, this is hard work. To collect checks. Rebecca gets worse. Um, as well as perpetrate other frauds, um, private systems like life insurance. Um, for example, she's suspected of murdering about three people. Um, so if they were all men, is it a loss? Well, they weren't all men. 
So, number one, she befriended a sick woman named mm. Patricia. Maybe yes. Patricia wanted to die. Who then died under suspicious circumstances under her care. You don't and, know what Patricia wanted. <laughs> and um, one of her husbands, Sherman Ray, was shot by one of her known associates, cronies. Um, and his family accused her of being involved, especially given that she had taken out two life insurance <laughs> yeah, I love shortly her. before his death. Okay, I thought that, that she had murdered a man in cold blood for his insurance policies would change her mind. but No, I, no, I'm on board. I guess not. Um, and then again, she was friends with another older woman named Mildred Markham, who also... Oh, she's a, she bumped some people off. Mm-hmm, bumped to bump someone off, um, potentially to collect her life insurance. Potentially. But... So again, these are all unexplained and unprosecuted deaths. She never faced trial for any of them. She's a queen. <laughs> well, her one. Um, yeah, and then okay, and then another thing, Rebecca. Maybe this will make you feel a little but bad. I don't know. She's a known kidnapper. She used to invite her friend, her kids, friends over, and then she would like change their clothes and try to like register them under a new name so that she could pretend she had the kid and get more benefits. And the friends were all right with this? Or just no, like, the friends were not all right with this. She literally, there were like outstanding kidnappings. She took her niece and threw out all her clothes, buying her a new wardrobe and moving her to a different house. She may have even kidnapped a baby from his mother's arms in a hospital. She sounds like a very effective criminal. In a high profile case that was never solved. So, yeah, so, I mean, it's just really crazy. I'm like, going to write an album of uh, folk songs called Linda Taylor, Linda and I'm going to be famous. I'm going to leave this podcast in the dust. I mean, I get it, but the thing is, for all of, for all of her hardships, like, her lawyer said, you know, this is a mentally ill woman who cannot tell if she is telling the truth. Yeah. Like, she needs to bring in other psychiatrists. Patty Hearst, baby. But, I mean, literally, the psychiatrists were like, yeah, she's psychotic. That's the word we're using for it right now. Like, this woman is batshit insane. Um, so, again, she's super mentally ill, and she's having visions, hearing voices, having delusions. Like, So she's not guilty. She's not not guilty. But I think that the point is that, like, Reagan kind of painted her as, like, the stereotype of, like, something that was happening all the time and, like, oh, this is a huge population of people that are benefiting from your hard work and are just collecting yeah. welfare checks under fake names and, like, working the system. But in reality, it was just one crazy-ass woman that freaking, like, zeroed in on and was like, they're all like Linda Taylor, but actually Linda Taylor... They was, wish they could be Linda yeah, Taylor. She was fucking, far more effective. You should be so lucky you be when Linda Taylor... But um, basically, Reagan said that welfare was a cancer that was eating at our vitals, which is crazy. Um, basically, after this Chicago Tribune article came out about Lynn Taylor, it led to an increase in investigating fraud by 88% in the Jeez. state of Illinois. Because people were like, holy shit, how is this happening? And Reagan, hated, he was like a well-known welfare hater. He um, tightened eligibility rules when he was the governor of California reduced benefits, implemented work requirements, and when he's campaigning for president, he starts telling the story, oh, there's this woman in Chicago who uses 80 names, 30 addresses, 15 phone numbers to collect benefits that earn her $150,000 a year. That seems like a lot of work. Well, seems that's like a, she's a hardworking lady. Well, that's a pretty exaggerated story from Reagan's story. Sure. And every time he told this, like, it got during, bigger. during his stump speech, it wasn't even that she just got bigger, it just, like, changed a lot. Like, all the figures were, were changing. So, basically, Reagan is elected in 1980, and eventually Congress passes a $25 billion in cuts to programs wow. that help the poor. That's so um, fucked up. I had no idea. An estimated 408,000 households were cut off from um, direct relief. 
um, the AFDC, while millions more saw their benefits reduced. Um, so Taylor and her story were used to create this hatred toward people that were cheating the welfare system, even though those were the literally the least of this woman's crimes. She kind of became this like punching bag um, for the welfare state and kind of how much that the conservative agenda was to reduce benefits. But at the end of the day, even though she represented this stereotype that didn't really exist, um, she was like a very real, very complicated lady. Oh, is, I mean, is how for I would sure. put it. She was a mentally ill person that, yes, ha- did all these crazy crimes and like should be is an interesting person in her own right an interesting case of crime in her own life like I would read any book about her ever like this was the most interesting 90 minutes of my life when I was researching her but in no way was she a stereotype or a norm of what people it's amazing how it's been people or what black people were doing right but again it's like something that the conservative agenda really banked on and and still pushes yeah and it's in a lot of ways it's still it still persists, and you still hear 100%. Ivanka's dad talk about people that are collecting on welfare, people yep. that do nothing, like, and just say And there's been a renewed conversation with COVID and unemployment uh-huh. and people that are taking, you know, there's, I keep hearing people complaining that, oh, you know, these people are making more money collecting unemployment than they were when they were working. I'm like, well, maybe they should be paid more. Rebecca, you absolute Marxist. That's- I am absolutely <laughs> a Marxist now. Like, that is my later in life development. Well, so I did think that that was a super interesting take. Yeah. I had no idea the welfare queen was a real person from Chicago who was legitimately crazy and murdered three people. It's like, these are the stories that you they say need crazy, to tell. You say crazy, I say ingenuity. This is like what you need to be telling your American children as they fall asleep and be like, you know what? The never hus- forget Linda Taylor. Never forget Linda ha- Taylor. The hustle is fucking real. Yeah. And... Yeah, and it's like... So she killed two old people that were on their way out and one husband who was probably abusive. (laughs) I'm not that upset about it. Okay, well, Rebecca needs therapy. I'm pro Linda Taylor (laughs) as a fellow crazy person. I'm Um, into it. But yeah, I mean, super fascinating. And the next time you hear a politician of any stripe talking about people that just sit on their asses and in fur coats and collect benefits, just think about Linda Taylor's story. Because she did it better. She did it best. And she created a trope that does not probably doesn't even exist in real life. It, it doesn't. But people are still benefiting from this image of like a poor person that just is like, fuck it, I'm just gonna go on welfare. Yeah, fuck. Linda. Nailed Jesus. it. Nailed it. So we got like a hell of a transition here. <laughs> We're going that to just like a ball. It's deep, a hard it's a hard pivot. Like a hard pivot to evolution. Okay. Like we're about to go from welfare to evolution. Okay. Buckle up. Okay, well, well, there is such a thing as, you know, social Darwinism and poor people deserve it. No kidding. So, so here we go. Here we fucking go. So I'm here today to talk to you about the state of Tennessee versus John Scopes, a.k.a. the Scopes Monkey Trial. Which yes. It's like a huge APUS thing. Yes. Like, you cannot get through an APUS class. Without- Literally, I don't remember a single thing about it, but I just in my mind, I'm like, Scopes, Monkey Trial, Evolution. It's so important. Yes, yeah, so important. It, like- I think it, like, pushed me on the path. Like, I went through a, a pronounced period where I thought I was going to be, like, a doctor and a biologist. Oh, and I, did. like, she really did. think that this Rebecca had a lot to do Rebecca is already with it. a doctor. She didn't need I might not have a degree, school. but <laughs> I am a doctor. But she's a doctor. So, really, this all kicks back with my boy, Charles Darwin, okay, and The Origin it. of Species, which okay. is let's really one of the most seminal books ever published. And it was published in 1859. And people were not pleased, to say the least. Like, mm-hmm. people did not want to think that we came from single-celled organisms that, like, came out of the ether and evolved. Like, we have a lot more divinity in this country and in other countries. Like, people did not love this. 
So it caused like a whole bunch of shit to happen afterwards. And we're going to start in 1925 with the Butler Act, which was lobbied by state rep John Butler, who just so also happened to be the head of the World Christian Fundamentals Association. Love it. Which, you know, maybe informed some of his decisions. So the Butler Act was passed by Tennessee, and it basically prohibited the teaching of evolution in schools. They were like, if you teach evolution, we will come for you legally. And these two lawyers heard that the ACLU, which was a very new organization, was very interested in a test case about whether this was constitutional or not, like whether you could prohibit teaching evolution. So these two lawyers read about this in a paper and they're like, you know what? We are from Dayton, Tennessee, where literally nothing happens. Okay, sure. And this could be great for the economy. Second Tennessee thing. Yeah. Well well the fact is also from Tennessee. Oh so don't count out the good people of Tennessee is all I'm saying. There's a lot going down in Tennessee. So Tennessee, these two lawyers are like, nothing happens in Dayton, our law careers are what they are, but like we could put Dayton on the map. Like this could be the trial of the century. So these two lawyers start like poking around different schools and they find this guy, John Scott. Like they're like social media influencers. They literally are, like, are original literally... influencers for the town of Dayton and they're like, <laughs> we could secure the bag. Love this. So they go around to different high schools and they find this substitute teacher, John Scopes. He's not even a real teacher. He's a substitute teacher. He mostly coaches football. And they're like, yes. John Scopes, like, do you teach science? He's like, I have taught science once. I have not taught evolution, but yeah, I'm down for evolution. I think that's a thing. So like, great. And they put John Snopes up, Scopes up and Snopes, classic. And the ACLU is like, yeah, we're going to back this case. Like, let's take it to trial. So the ACLU steps in and they start developing this legal team. And the state of Tennessee is like, oh, absolutely not. Like, not on our watch. Like, this is a Christian, God-fearing state. So they hire Williams Jennings Bryan, who is, like, the leader of anti-evolution shit. Like, Mm -hmm. he has published books in 1921 called The Menace of Darwinism and then another book called The Bible and Its Enemies. Well, not to mention William Jennings Bryan is one of the saddest figures in American history. He's kind of like a Henry Clay. Yes, very much. Where he ran for president, like, six billion times and had, like, this really specific worldview that people almost were into, but Mm -hmm. he just kept losing. So I'm glad that he's getting a mention and shout out he was born March 19th, so what do we got for William Jennings Bryan? Ugh. Another Pisces. Another Pisces. What a lot of Pisces in American history. A lot of Pisces. Scopes is uh, August 3rd, so he's a Leo. A uh, classic Leo. Yeah. Oh, my God. He's I mean, like, I'm a part-time football yeah, coach. He's like, I have, but I, I will take yeah. this yeah. on. I'm like, into this. I'm ready. So the prosecution, after, you know, it's announced that William Jennings Bryan, who is like the bitch when it comes to anti-evolution, is going to be representing the defense, the prosecution, the defense is like, well, shit, we got to get an equivalent guy. So they bring in Clarence Darrow. And Clarence Darrow Woo! is 100% that bitch. Uh-huh. Clarence Dar- Darrow's birthday is April 18th. Yes. Classic Aries energy. Very oh. very dominant. They're the sign of beginnings and of initiation. Yeah. And they're fire signs. Yeah. So they're oh, like, yeah. yo, what's up? And another thing that drives me crazy about Aries is that they state everything is a fact. They're oh, like... This is huge They're like, they're like it's going to rain tomorrow. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, are you God? Do you control yeah. the weather? I know I said that I control the weather, and I do. So that was a bad example. But Are you God? But they'll literally be like, oh... They're going to break up. It's like, yeah. no, you don't fucking know. But I, Clarence Darrow did know. I mean, I just, Aries. So I, like a fun. I'm complicated. It's a fun side It's note. a fun side note. Another fun side note is that when they were assembling the defense, they were like, you know who would be great for this? H.G. <laughs> Wells. Oh, my God. 
God. So they sent a letter to H.G. Wells, and they're like, will you do this? And H.G. Wells responded, and he's like, I am not a lawyer, and I am British. H.G. Wells of War yes. of the World fame? Yes, and 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, like, yeah. Wait, why did they think he would be good for it? The, he just was a known evolution proponent, and he was just like, no, <laughs> I am not a lawyer, and this like, seems like some, some typical American bullshit that I want nothing to do with. So he did not join the defense, <laughs> but Clara Sarrow did. He declined. He declined. And this was like one of the first trials that was covered on the radio. Yes. So everybody was tuning into this. This was the advent of court TV. Everybody was into what it. What do you think people did when they were like, Well, they listening. gathered around the radio and okay. they listened to this and people were fired up. Like this was a big thing. So. What was popular opinion? I mean, it was very mixed. A lot of people were thinking it was a violation. So they initially started to say it was a violation of academic freedom to say that you couldn't teach evolution, yes, yes. which it absolutely is. But then, of course, you have, you know, this is a Christian nation and we believe that God is the all powerful thing. This is providence. This is manifest destiny. Like, we can't go against this. This is God created us. We uh-huh. weren't. And the reason it was called the Scopes Monkey Trial was early in the trial, Brian said that, you know, this is outrageous that we come from monkeys and it's not even like cool monkeys. He's like, these are <laughs> old world monkeys. He's like, I, if I'm going to be compared to a monkey, I want to be like a sweet a chimpanzee. Sexy, like, like a orangutan. I'm not talking like some old ass monkey. Like he was very <laughs> personally upset that Americans were compared to monkeys. So he didn't love that. So at first, the defense is arguing for this idea of theistic evolution, which basically said that the creationism theory and evolution could exist in harmony. And they really tried to like, take like a pretty measured approach at first and we're trying to theistic evolution yeah so this idea that people could have evolved but creationism also still stands that's what i that's how i like to think about it right well you're wrong but (laughs) regardless that's what a lot of people were like oh this is like really measured well i just want to say before we keep going yes that one of my favorite quotes from a dan brown book who is a trash (laughs) author and terrible but there's this part where he's like religion and science are not at odds. science is just too young to understand Oh, well, I would say religion is too young to understand, but okay. Um, wow. I'm an atheist, if you, didn't, <laughs> if you didn't know. I'm not even, like, some crazy Christian truther. I just think it's, like, nice to think that these two mm-hmm. things could have happened in tandem. Yeah, but that's how they started, and everybody wanted yeah. to believe it I was going to be I this guess, nice... I'm genuinely surprised that that was ever even an option. That they were no, that was like, the oh, defense. Like, could be together. Because they knew they weren't... This was not a time where you could just, like, argue against the Bible. So they're like, all right, we're going to go alongside this. It's going to be fine. And the judge, the presiding judge, Judge Ralston, was having none of this. So he, at one point, Darrow wants to bring in a bunch of evolution experts to testify. And the judge is just like, no, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't want this to happen. So he's like, they can give written statements and I'll let he's one like, guy. He's like, you guys can do whatever y'all want. Yeah, but he's like, this is not I'm happening. Not so that pisses Darrow off. Darrow is like, I go can't off, have my witnesses. Off, so Darrow went off and he then protests about them opening each day of the trial with a prayer. And he's like, this is biased and I'm going to start here. And that then pissed the judge off. So now it's getting really personal. So Darrow, after day eight, I want to say, ran out of witnesses because the judge is just like fully blocking all of his witnesses. So Darrow is like, you know what? If I can't have experts testify on evolution... How about we have an expert testify in the Bible? And who better than fucking Williams Jennings Bryan? So Daryl yes, calls Williams yes, Jennings yes, Bryan yes, yes, to the yes, stand yes. as a witness for the defense <gasps> and then proceeds to grill this man on the Bible. Like he starts with Adam and Eve and he's like, oh my so, God, true king. science. True king. Like, did she come from a rib? How does that work? 
And then, <laughs> and fucking William Jennings Bryan was like, pardon what? Like, what am I doing on the stand right now? And then he's like, all right, all right, we'll go somewhere else. Kane's wife, where the fuck did she come from? And this, Darrow does not, or Brun, Jennings Bryant was like, I am now very personally attacked by your line of questioning. So he's like, I'm going to leave that to you agnostics to figure out. And Darrow was like, so you're saying that like all of this is garbage, mama? And like, this is like straight up just a fictional story that's told to children and it should not at all be like taught in schools as science. And it just like really escalated from there. And this, it was like a two hour back and forth between these two men. And then the next day, Judge Ralston opens court and he's like, yeah, we're going to expunge that whole thing from the record. That didn't happen. I hate it personally (laughs) as a Christian. But was the jury there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the jury was there. So you can expunge it, but they still remember. But they still remember. People don't forget. The jury didn't fucking care. So basically, like, Darrow used the Bible to argue that the stories weren't scientific and shouldn't be used in teaching science, which is just, like, fully fair. And he he's quoted by saying, you insult every man of science and learning in the world because he did not believe in your fool religion. People are like, Darrow, we don't like you. But he kept going. And I, for one, love it. So after this, like, two-hour confrontation and it's been expunged from the record, the jury was adjourned and they came back with a guilty verdict in nine minutes. They were like, Scopes is guilty. Scopes, meanwhile, has not spoken once in this trial. Oh, my God. He was not allowed to take the stage. Poor Scopes. You know, that's what he wanted, too. He was a Leo. He was like, this is my time. So they charged him with a $100 fine. And Scopes literally only gave one statement after he was fine. He was, like, finally allowed to have his moment. And he was like, yeah, I don't really know what happened here generally. But it is my intent to oppose this law any way I can because anything else is an infringement on my academic freedom. And everyone's like, yeah, Scopes, that's fucking right. So they found him guilty in nine minutes. Yes. So So the jury was not down. The jury was not down. The ACLU paid for the – and actually, at the end, Darrow asked the jury to convict him. He said, you know, I already can sense that y'all are down. So he's like, convict Scopes. Like, I don't give a shit because we're going to appeal this and take this to the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. And that is exactly what happened. It was taken to the Supreme Court. It was not passed. (laughs) In both cases, evolution was determined to not be the thing. Except it then later was turned around. So in 1926, they had this appeal. It failed. In 1927, though, oh, and this is what happened. The outcome was the Butler Act was ruled constitutional by the Supreme Court. They said that you were allowed to restrict the teaching of evolution, and that was that. It wasn't until 1967 that Tennessee repealed the Butler Act. So 1967, they were still saying you couldn't teach evolution in They're school. They're still saying that but right now. But then though. in 1975, <laughs> as just like a oops, we done messed up, Tennessee was the first state to pass a law regulating and requiring the equal emphasis of creationism and evolution. So they were the first state that said, okay, I know we've been saying the other thing, but now we're going to say that you have to equally. I'm just curious it. to see what that even looks like in the classroom. Like, what is the test? Well, yeah. It's like, circle which one you believe. I mean, it was all garbage. <laughs> like, I mean, when you take. I Okay, so I'm speaking from a place where I got kicked out of CCD class when I was a good little Catholic girl because I kept to asking questions like loaves and the fishes. Physically, theoretically, impossible. That shit, that's why it's called the miracle, baby. Yeah, but that didn't happen. I'm on your side. Relax. Yeah, but many people weren't. They they believed that this was the fucking law of the land. So my question, though, is because you've proven that public opinion was not there yet. People did not want to learn about well, people evolution. People were interested. They didn't want their children to learn about evolution. I mean, I think people were maybe interested in different, more educated settings. Right. And then in Tennessee, they're, like, facing no. an eight, like, you know, a jury of people being, like, 
Oh they deliberated for nine minutes. It's hilarious. And the most important part of this, not the most important part, the most important part is that evolution eventually was the one. But a very, like, crazy aside of all of this was that, you know, Daryl, like, pretty much, like, wiped the floor with William Stanley Bryan, even though, like, evolu- uh, teaching, restricting evolution yeah. won. Daryl, like, came away from this, like, he was so the winner of He embarrassed William Jennings Bryan. WJB. And then WJB fully died five <gasps> days later in his sleep. Oh, my God. And the, like, big thing that the newspapers won was that he ran. This, he died of a broken heart because he was so oh devastated God, because Darrow just, like, absolutely ended him in front of everybody. <laughs> and he just fully died five oh days God. later. So like, whose side was God on at the end of the day? That's so sad. Yeah, it was sad, but it was also like a classic twist. <laughs> classic twist on a classic tale. But, okay, so my question, though, is how did evolution make its way into schools eventually? Was it like a gradual process? It was gradual. Or it was, was it there was like 30 a... 30 years after. Like, was there any Supreme Court ruling that like overturned No. This? It was Tennessee on its own being like, we've made some mistakes. And this was in 1967 and then 75. So it took them quite a while. Wow. And then this, Tennessee was the first state. So at that point, like, people had just been like, mm, I'm just going to ignore this. And then the 70s, they're like, yeah, maybe we should revisit this. It's just crazy because, you know, we obviously learned about evolution. And it's a theory of evolution. And that's how it's presented to us. Like, do, yeah. you, think that, do you think that science teachers are hedging their bets when they say this is a theory of evolution because it can't be disproved? No, they're doing they're afraid our parents are correct scientific method, which is until something is proved, it's a theory. So, so Rebecca, can it be? Can it not no, be the theory proved. of evolution and the theory of creationism? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Technically, yes. Is that right? No. <laughs> You're technically wrong, but like, yeah, I no, guess I mean, like philosophically, I'm... you could be right, but no. No, I mean, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Don't <laughs> get me wrong. Boom, boom. But I just mean, I, I don't know. It's just, it's difficult for me to conceptualize that this was still going on yeah. in a gradual way. Like when I just want to know, like when it became mainstream. The 70s. In the 70s, they started teaching... I mean, like, I'm sure other schools were teaching it, but in terms of, like, legislature that overturned what they'd initially... I mean, they literally... The Butler Act prohibited teaching it. You were legally okay, in trouble... Crazy. ...if you taught evolution in schools. Like, John Scopes just kind of thought about teaching evolution, <laughs> and he got in trouble. He was just, like, he didn't teach, teach driver's ed. He did not. He was running football plays, and oh I was like, God, yeah, 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 I believe in science for sure. For sure. I love science. And they're like, excellent. Excellent. Oh my God, I can't believe they didn't even let him talk at the trial. No. No, he got his one little word in at the end, and then they were like, move along. This was never about you. Well, okay. So that's very interesting. How does this pertain to Manifest Destiny? I don't really know. It doesn't. It doesn't really? <laughs> no, but, but it does. We can make an argument for it. I mean, I think that that's a core theme of this podcast is not even intentionally, but every single thing yeah. that's ever happened you can make a play for it being a manifest destiny well i also think the fact that this is you know we are defined as one nation under god and that separation of church and state has always been at okay, odds do you want to hear something crazy and actually i really want to do an episode on the pledge of allegiance but yeah. that i've got a lot of feelings about that literally started did you do the pledge of allegiance in school hell no i went to a montessori school we gave like the communist manifesto we instead. literally did it every day and i loved it it was my favorite part of the day no. like i was just like but it was just like oh my god all these voices joining together see i've always seen all of this as just jingoism <laughs> just, like americans are too obsessed well with but themselves. they just start doing 
the Pledge of Allegiance until the Cold War because it was literally really? a way for people to pledge allegiance, like to the flag. Mother like, Russia. I'm not with Mother Russia. Like, which is so interesting. So yeah. Okay. So upcoming- stay tuned for our episode on the Cold War too. Stay like- tuned. Okay. I don't think the Cold War is going to be one episode, but a series of. I think we spies in the Cold War. I think War. there will be at least an episode on the Pledge of Allegiance because that's something. Maybe that would be a nice pairing: the Cold War and the Pledge of Allegiance. I mean, just think about like a young, a young, young innocent Blair. I mean, you know, I'm five years old, and they're they're literally teaching us verbatim, like I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, indivisible for, for liberty, liberty and justice, justice for all. So why do you know it? Because it's ingrained in my head, and I didn't even have to say it once. But it's just, it's crazy. But I do we, think this, like, American sense of, like, indoctrinating people into this, you know, crypto-religious <laughs> vision of America is some trash. And it has influence, and I get so angry about it to this day, like, you know, the fact that evangelical Christians are in such support of Trump, even though, like, Trump does not stand for anything godly. Like, if Jesus Christ were to return today, he'd be like, no. This is not it. This is not what I meant. You this guys guy really is misinterpreted what like, I said. Big time. Like, this man is awful. Well, and evangelicals are just like, yes, we love him. He's good for God. Like, I, that's no, so hypocritical. Okay, but I, I don't think it's hypocritical. I just think it's interesting that the options being offered everyone in this country are not good for anyone in this no. country. No. Like, it's literally like, if you're an evangelical Christian, I think you're looking at the fact that Trump has three wives, he's cheated on all of them, is an asshole, actively talks about wanting to fuck has his daughter. Has sexually assaulted many people. <laughs> yeah, well, that too. I mean, I wasn't even going to bring that up, but like, he's but a he has. sexual harasser. Like, I mean. And assaulter. But I don't think that that's something they're choosing, but I think that they're like, this is the man that speaks for me. Which is crazy. Then you look at, like, the left, and you were literally looking at Joe Biden, who cannot st- string two sentences together, is re, but, like, I but it, I just don't think, I don't think Joe Biden speaks for you, either. No! But, like, he absolutely does I not. I just think that it's really He speaks for me more than fucking Trump does, That in earlier, earlier American history, there were more political parties and more things people could be drawn to and, like, different candidates that represented different things. And at this point, you were like, if this person says one thing, he's speaking for me. Like, I just think I that think it's- that's a very important point. I mean, do you believe that the country has narrowed itself by sticking so rigidly with a two-party system? Oh, my God, of course. I mean, I think that the time is so ripe, and you see this so many times, like, with the wigs, with the, you know, yeah, the People wigs. forget that. They want to say that there's only, like, <laughs> it's only saying, ever been yeah, a two-party exactly. system. I, it's just not And the it case. wasn't designed to be a two-party system, either. It's no. literally about... Descent. That is what America is founded on is on descent. Yep. And it's like the time is right for a third party that represents like a different generation. And not just like the regular third have, party bullshit. And people that or... have different priorities. Like I literally feel like the only thing that people think that people want is like, oh, I just really want to like own a house and like have a decent no. job. And like I don't think that that's. I just the... want to buy avocado toast without feeling guilty <laughs> exactly. about it. Exactly. I just want to buy my avocado a toast. simple woman. I mean, I just think that, like, American priorities and values have shifted so much, and it's such a generational thing. And I'm not even saying, like, I would love to be a homeowner, don't get me wrong, but I think that, like, I value different things and that, like, I don't want to be in the suburban Connecticut. Like, I yeah. love being able to walk to a pharmacy. It's like, like, even I used to be in real estate, and it's like a walkable. I forgot about that. Yeah, me too. Classic. <laughs> Classic. But just, like, a, having a walkable neighborhood is more important to millennials than literally anything else. It's literally just, like, I can to I walk to the grocery all store? The time. Can like, I walk to the pharmacy? We get it, Rebecca. You have a boyfriend. Keep calling him your we partner. We get you're from New York. Fuck you. 
Um, but, but it is so important, like green space, walking. My biggest problem with America, and I have a lot of problems with yeah, America, but my number one most consistent and most like lengthy complaint I've had is that the public transportation in this country is garbage. And you have to have a car if you don't live in the city. And that is so isolating for people. And it is so difficult to exercise your civic duty when you're required to drive great distances. Exactly. And I would love to talk about this in a later episode. Yeah. Transcontinental Railroad. We'll We're get to pop it. I off. wasn't even thinking about the Transcontinental Railroad. Well, why did we stop there? We could have done so much more. <laughs> well, I was thinking about more like the idea of like a car is like an American device. Yes. And, like, people just going to the makeout movies and just going after it. Many, cars. Many we can just the, talk about fucking cars. We'll fucking talk about cars for Stay sure. tuned for our episode on transportation. But I think that Planes, car, but trains, cars, automobiles. But cars are less important now. Like, don't you, like, don't you agree? Oh, like, I, living in rural Connecticut? No. Cars are very important. <laughs> well, living in a major city, the greatest... Spoiler alert. The, the DM greatest, us if you can guess where Blair is. The greatest city in the world. It's like... Having a car is the worst. Yeah, it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. But again, but, I but think, you live in a very like specific I know, but I, area. I agree, but I do think that that's what our generation craves is like an accessibility. Wide open space. And we're in like an experience economy where it's like we're not even that focused on like material wealth as no. much as we're like interested in like the wealth of experiences or like, oh, like. I'm taking an Airbnb or like, oh, I'm going to. I mean, I think retirement is a thing of the past for our generation. Like, we are not saving money for retirement. I am. I am not. What is saving money? Hit me on the, check me on the flippity flop. I'll be smoking stogies on a beach while Rebecca is just slaving away. It's true. It's very, (laughs) that's very much going to happen. No, but I mean, yeah. I mean, the idea of like a savings account is so antiquated now. Yeah. I mean, every... Just an extra thing to worry about. <laughs> Just an extra thing to worry about. I'm rich in experience. I, mean, I think everyone under the age of 35 is one bad year away from, like... Bankruptcy. Bankruptcy. And just like a... I'm one bad week away from bankruptcy. Same. I mean, I'm not... I'm one bad fight with my parents away from bankruptcy, honestly. Too real, too real. Too real, too real, too real. Well, on that note... Well, on that note, yeah, we should wrap it up. I mean, what a lovely episode of two very different things seemingly unrelatable you know by the end i really do feel like we had had a coherent conversation (laughs) same untold unclear up for you to decide though you decide let us know dm us rate like subscribe again cannot reiterate we don't know what these words mean because we're old this is our retirement plan this is podcast and you know what (laughs) our retirement plan is based on your actions so if you want us to survive yes 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 okay Bye. Thank you for listening to Manifest Destiny, a millennial take on the American millennium. If you enjoyed our show, please leave us a positive review on your preferred podcast platform, but only if you enjoyed it. Looking for a history fix in between episodes of Manifest Destiny? Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Manifest Destiny Pod for exclusive content and quality memes.